Hello, hello. It's a new week at the I Have No Idea What I'm Doing podcast, a show that helps African women at the start of their entrepreneurship journey reach their business, money, and life goals faster. I'm your host, Paula Rogo, checking in from Nairobi, Kenya. Happy new month. Welcome to September. And I hope this month is a new opportunity at a fresh restart. I want to welcome all of you who are new listeners to the podcast. And today I'm unbelievably excited about the interview that I'm about to share. And that's because it's an interview that has been one and a half years in the making. So remember a few episodes ago when I mentioned that there were a few interviews I had done last year that I had yet to release? Well, one of those interviews is the focus of today's podcast. And I am finally leaving Kenya and heading to Uganda to speak with this entrepreneur. Today, I am speaking with Bella Nakato, the owner of Envira Zanacho, a natural hair salon and beauty product hub that's based in Kampala, Uganda. She also has her own signature hairline, Afrilux. So in March 2019, I was in Uganda for work and I decided I would try fit in an interview or two for the podcast. So I reached out to my contacts in Uganda And it's so funny because I reached out to different people and many of them came back to me saying, Paula, have you talked to Bella? Have you talked to Bella yet? Bella is the lady you're supposed to be talking to. You should probably talk to Bella. And so I did. Bella is one of the most respected and influential natural hair practitioners in Uganda. Not only does she have her own business, Envira Nacho, but she also has a bird eye view of the whole industry through the products that she stocks in her shop. She knows what is working and what is not working for other African hair and beauty brands. And so I thought she would be really great to talk to and I reached out and we had a pleasant hour long interview at my hotel. Then that was it. Remember, this was March 2019. And so two weeks ago, I was listening to my archival audio and I found the audio for this interview. And I sat listening to it, of course, while like marinating in my guilt, because this was a year and a half ago. I listened to it and I realized this was a really valuable interview but it's also dated and so I took a leap of faith and reached out to Bella and I asked her for a follow-up interview and I did specifically because I wanted to know how her thoughts had changed in the year and a half as well as how she her team the salon and the whole shop had survived during COVID-19. And let me just tell you guys, based on that second interview, I will say this is coming right on time. Bella not only speaks for the many hair salons and hair practitioners in Africa that have been trying to survive since COVID-19 hit us, but she also speaks for the pivot and the hard lessons that any businesswoman on the continent has been going through. Today, I'm going to share both interviews. And in them, Bella talks about how and why she started Envereza Nacho, the particular characteristics that make up the Ugandan market, what happened when COVID-19 actually hit and the lockdown hit in Kampala, and the lessons she has learned and the lessons her team has learned since all of this happened. Plus, stay tuned until the end where we have an invaluable giveaway for a budding beauty entrepreneur. Here's the first interview from March 2019, which starts with Bella telling me how she started Envira Zanacho. Let's first go back. All the way back. So I got uh, several opportunities to live abroad, and um, through my living abroad, I realized that Africans were seen in a different way. It didn't matter how straight your hair was, it didn't matter how lightened or bleached your skin was, you still were seen as the African. So after a few negative experiences in different parts of the world, I decided to embrace fully what it meant for me to be African. And my first step was to go back to my natural hair. But at the time, 
I started in Virginia Natural as just a page to peek into what the black Americans were doing. So, so it was a Facebook page? Yes, a okay. Facebook page. This page was for me and my sisters and slowly we noticed people just started following and liking the page mm -hmm. and commenting and you know stating their challenges and things like that. So one by one we started cutting off our hair because before it was just a peek into the world. Yeah. So when we say cutting off our hair we realized, wait, this is real. It's actually happening and so this was 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. So decided to come home one Easter and have an event just to scope. My one selfish motive mm -hmm. with this event was to see if we could encourage Ugandans to create products that they were getting from abroad at that time. Okay. We had that event and we had one company that was already producing products mm -hmm. in Uganda okay. to speak and share about the whole challenges and also share their products because people fell in love with the brand at the time. Mm -hmm. Fast forward. I go back to Stockholm where I was working at the time and I realized that, wait, maybe I should go back home and explore this Embraer natural thing. Mm. Um, I didn't know in what direction I would go, but I decided to go back home. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, out of that event, about four companies came up. Oh, yes. were created out of this one? Yes, one event. So was it like the first natural hair meetup ever? Ever. Oh, okay, excellent. It was. Yeah. So the owners of the companies, or the founders, were saying that it was such a hassle to one-on-one -on -one meet, do deliveries, cardboard deliveries at that time. Okay. So then they tell me, Bella, open up a shop. We'll stock it with products, and maybe all the customers can have a one-point place where they can, you know, interact. Mm -hmm. And the customers are also like, it's such a pain to just run around town looking for all these, you know, is it possible to have just one space where we could? And I was like, oh, okay. And that's how the Envision Nature Shop was born. Mm -hmm. So 2017, October, customers are like, Bella, open up a salon. Mm -hmm. Yes, you tell us what to do, but we'd rather you did it. <laughs> and you know? Yes. And so the salon was born. So everything in Virginia Nature was born out of a need. Yeah. Yes. And like actual customers asking for it. Yes. And this is a question I realized I didn't ask. What does Enveriza Nacho even mean? <laughs> um, Enveriza Nacho means natural hair in Luganda. Okay. So it's not the traditional term. It's more of a slangish word of how we would say Enviri, but instead of saying natural, we say natural. Natural. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Yes. So now, with my work with Enveriza Nacho, I have worked with more than 30 different beauty brands okay. in Uganda and East Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, we stock. Kenyan brands, Madagascar brands, and Ugandan brands. Mm -hmm. And so did you ever imagine that you would be in the, the hair beauty space at all? No. <laughs> okay. Not at all. Um, so I studied interior design and landscaping in university. Um, and then from there, I volunteered with ISEC, which is a world-known youth organization. I think it's the world number one youth organization. And I got to work in different countries, but I was focused mainly on public relations, marketing, and communication. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I was doing in Sweden at that time. Okay. Yeah. But even in Sweden, I used to do people's hair. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, yes, right? Yeah. So I guess it sort of like showed itself yeah. over time. But I want to get a sense of the natural hair uh, community in Uganda and Kampala. Can you give me um, a sense of where it is right now? I could say that there's so many different subgroups within the natural hair group. There are people who've always been natural, mm -hmm. like they are the OG OG yes. natural naturalistas. <laughs> like yes. they see this entire movement and they're like, "Wait, what? Yes. We, we've, we've been, been doing that, that yes. forever." <laughs> uh, then there are the people who have fallen in love with it because of the whole healthy lifestyle embracing mm -hmm. and uh, green beauty. Mm -hmm. So. They actually love the whole organic products. They'll be interested in the ingredients. They'll be interested in that. Then there are people who are actually in it for the trend. It's it's hot right now to yeah. be natural. So they're in it for the looks. In it for they want those coils. They want the springs. They want what's trending. Mm -hmm. And then there are those who are more in it for let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And over the years, the groups have slowly switched. Mm -hmm in terms of size. Mm. Yeah, so now the companies, the business is, the different businesses um, appeal to different people because of the ethos of the founder or how they approach this discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it about the Ugandan market that's, and the women who are consuming natural hair that's different from what else is happening in East Africa? As Ugandans, we are known to be a little bit more reserved and more hesitant to new things. Uh, Ugandans will do more research 
okay. and like six of their friends before they actually buy a product. And so word of mouth for us means everything. And this is sad to say really, a niche industry. And that's funny because we grow this hair naturally, but it's not the norm or it's not the standard, which is really sad. Majority of Ugandan's population is under 18, okay. actually under 15. Mm. Yeah, so there is so many people still coming. Mm. So that I'm not worried about. Mm. What I wanted to stress was that we're not trying to go for everyone. Mm. You know, there are people yeah. who love their straight hair, people who love their relaxers, mm. people who love their weaves, people who love, and we don't want to take away from that. Okay. What we want to do is make sure that those who are in love with natural hair and curls and coils mm -hmm. and want to rock them, mm -hmm. whenever they want to rock them, mm -hmm. are served by us. Okay. And so, again, this is a business you've built based on um, demand. Um, so are you profitable? Can you speak to that? Well, first of all, the testament of time speaks to profit profitability. Um, there's, you can only hang on for so long for a business, yes. especially in a niche industry. So yes, we're profitable. And it's good to see more brands coming in, because when we started, we started with four brands, mm -hmm. and then we pushed to around 10, mm -hmm. and now we're at 18. Mm -hmm. So some brands keep withdrawing, and others keep coming in as we learn and as they keep adjusting. Mm -hmm. So that we've taken as part of things. and the, it's not like, I'm just talking about inside the shop. Yeah. The market has more than a hundred oh, wow. okay. beauty brands yeah. in there. But now the diversity of the brands allows us to pick mm -hmm. and choose mm -hmm. what we would like to stock. Yeah. So one of the reasons I was really excited to speak to you is that, yes, you have your brand, but you can speak to so many brands as well. What makes a brand survive in this natural hair game? Does the market really need it? Are they asking for it? Mm -hmm. Because while many people can say you give you you're the one who tells people what they want and you give it to them that's not the reality mm -hmm. with natural hair we have specific needs they are very clear everyone talks about them all the time so unless you're solving an issue you will be seen as a non-necessity mm -hmm. okay grooming i could say yeah. as a whole is really not a necessity and we are living in a survival um climate mm -hmm. where People are looking for what to eat. Mm -hmm. um, the standards of living are really low. Mm -hmm. So your product has to really speak out about the noise, mm -hmm. you know, and actually deliver on its promise. Mm -hmm. And there are only so many chances the customer can give before you, dis you know, you truly either make them happy or disappoint them. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to all the aspects of your business, the customer care, not just um, the packaging and how pretty it looks, but does it actually perform? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big encourager of put out something, even if it's imperfect, but as long as you're sure that it delivers on its promise mm -hmm. and then build it up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. That's, That's it, really. Ugandans really, really. Mm. listen to what others say mm. and yeah a few of them will test and see mm. but majority will go by the word of mouth especially mm. because all of us are talking so there's like a whole sample space mm -hmm. to pick from mm -hmm. um, so word of mouth is everything to us um, and we're small everyone knows everyone who knows everyone yes <laughs> so you definitely will have two people who've had a good experience or bad experience or mediocre and mm. they will share it freely mm. and then that will affect how your product is received okay how do you build that relationship with with your customers first of all by being the customer myself okay. I could say I have grown to trust not only myself, but also customers when they say certain things. Because in Uganda, the number one thing is we all want everyone to win. Mm -hmm. We really have a good heart for others um, as a whole. Mm -hmm. So you find when someone actually shares feedback, even if it's really negative feedback, they want you to win. Mm -hmm. They're giving you a space to work on, to improve, so you can impress the next person, you okay. see. so. Taking that as a customer wants me to do better has enabled me to take even negative criticism really well. Okay. Um, if I can't do anything about it, I usually let you know. Mm -hmm. But if I can do something about it, I do it immediately. Mm -hmm. So that has ensured that our customers trust us. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to go for one million or two million or 20 million people. We want to serve the 100,000 who are, we have really well. And then they'll bring in their moms, sisters. Mm -hmm. We've had people bring an entire floor of colleagues and workmates oh, wow. into our tiny show <laughs> because they just want to share, guys, you need to see this. this. Come. Okay. Yes. Excellent. What are some of the things you've learned the hard way? Money management okay. was painful. Uh, when I started, um, I was more of a dreamer. I came into this just to do natural hair. I was in love with it. You're a visionary. Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I forgot, wait, money moves the machine. Yeah. 
So mismanaging mm -hmm. money, uh, doing all sorts of discounts, and that threatens the sustainability of the entity, and it also threatens how much you can serve other people. So readjusting my relationship with money, especially in the form of work and in exchange for services, matters. Also, making it my secondary aim, I could say, to push the respect that's had for hairdressers and, you know, the, the hair industry. Yeah. They're treated as almost servants, mm. you know, and it's like your girls and your boys and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that is meant to demean and sort of take away from what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But this is a service they're giving, mm -hmm. you know. Where if, you're, if you miss them, your whole week is... That's it. You can go in a meeting, you're looking all sorts of things, you're not focused on what you need to focus on because you're not sure of your grooming. Mm -hmm. So focus, starting from my salon and all the trainings we do, because now we're into training in saloons and mm -hmm. things like that, mm -hmm. to push the respect mm -hmm. for the people who are actually serving us with their hands mm -hmm. through the hair industry. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so for those who are new to natural hair, or at least in the African space, uh, can you name a few brands that are out there that people should really consider checking out? Okay, so in Enverisa Natural, we don't only stock natural hair, but we also products, we also stock for skin and body care. So if you're to visit Enverisa, you probably know the following brands. Um, Glow Ventures is from the east of Uganda. Okay. Magical Organics is from... Uh, I would like to say different areas. They try to amalgamate okay. Africa and India, okay. but based in Uganda. Great. Uh, Livara Beauty, mm -hmm. based from Uganda. Mm -hmm. Kentaro, the Good Hair Collective, based mm -hmm. in Uganda. Afrilax Beauty, our in-house brand, based in Uganda. Uh, Flo de Vanille, ma from Madagascar. Saru Organics, from Kenya. Kweli Skin Organics, yeah. from Uganda. Um, Ranika from Uganda, that's hair and skincare. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually really interested in how you approach competition because most places, um, I would imagine um, they would open their salon or their space and then stock their own product. But here you were talking about stocking other products in and promoting even other products um, in your space. So talk to me how you approach competition and how it affects your business. Okay, so I feel like I went into this um, industry wanting to create a space for people. And unfortunately, one person cannot create a space big enough. Mm. And when you're being part of building something bigger than yourself, mm. you have to involve other people. It has to be beyond just you. Mm. So how I approached the Enverisa Natural Shop, even beyond just having an Enverisa Natural brand, I didn't really want products under the Enverisa Natural name. I wanted Enverisa Natural to be a space, in, like a fireplace basically, mm -hmm. where different people meet to share mm -hmm. in terms of brands and beauty. Mm -hmm. So while we opened our own brand called Afrilux, we're not focused on uh, trying to take over the market and a monopoly. Mm -hmm. We are focused on trying to bring a different perspective to the discussion that's being had. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't affect how much we love and appreciate all these other brands because the thing is together mm -hmm. it makes sense. Together it makes an industry, mm -hmm. you know, it makes a movement. Mm -hmm. So as Enverisa Natural, we're more focused on that movement and making sure it's healthy and it's vibrant and it's actually growing. Mm -hmm. So getting brands that have differing differing perspectives and things like that is what we love. We want that, yeah, you know. Yeah. We want different campaigns running at the same time. We want all that noise in the marketplace because that's what, that's what makes it vibrant. That's what the customer wants, you know. And that's what will keep us alive and sustainable. So competition for me is what keeps us awake you know, is what ensures that we actually stay on beyond just five years or 10 years mm -hmm. to a hundred mm -hmm. to a thousand. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people are seeing natural hair as big business? First of all, the African just hair business is humongous, mm -hmm. billions of dollars every year. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge opportunity that has been owned by the Chinese and the Indians and everybody else who sees opportunity to bring in extensions mm -hmm. and also products from the UK and the US. Mm -hmm. But as Africans, creating our own recipes and sitting on the table and creating our stuff and bringing our things straight from the kitchen 
into the lab with our own product uh -huh, onto the shelves mm -hmm. it has created a huge opportunity and a huge buzz because now we get to own really own our beauty and not just own via shops from importations right so where we profit one can see mm -hmm. and if one can see one will try to replicate or try to be curious and ask wait why how come so many people are, you know brands are cropping up mm -hmm. it is not only a profitable business but it's also one that's sustainable because you buy the shea butter from gulu right you transport it with a transport company based in kampala so you're paying people along the way and you're paying your own people mm -hmm. and people who need the dollar you know mm -hmm. so personally i feel like it's more sustainable especially if we think of it on the financial side mm -hmm. but then to sort of kill the copycat mentality it will be time that will tell mm -hmm. because now you will notice the brands that have been there over time and have like persevered and you know had sustainable goodness yeah. and then those that are in and out just you know harvest as much as they can mm -hmm. yeah it will be time that will tell. When Bella said those words a year and a half ago, I don't think she was thinking a whole pandemic would be the testing method on whether a brand could sustain itself or not. No one did. And so when I called her this past Friday for an update, she was so open about how she and the team and also her suppliers are doing. Here is that second interview now. So Bella, the last time I spoke with you was, well, the first time and last time I spoke with you was March, 2019. So it's been over a year and a half, I believe. And wow. yes, and times have changed uh, outside of just the actual amount of time, but also COVID has hit all businesses everywhere. How has the shop and salon survived or gotten through this current period of time? We literally have survived by taking it a day at a time. Um, there was no warning with COVID. It literally just fell and it's like, hey, on which side are you? Can you go on or do you have to step back a bit? So mm -hmm. being about four, 4.5 years old, mm -hmm. we consider ourselves still toddlers. Mm. Because of the way we're running the salon, because we already had an appointment-based salon. Mm -hmm. um, we already had a delivery service for the shop. We had a, a set way where our customers were used to relating to us. So it was really easy to transition into the next maybe home service for salon, um, having more deliveries, like more how can I call it, frequent deliveries for the shop. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to keep working even if we were limping, um, especially during lockdown. Yeah. Also having a pretty small team, it's intentional. Um, it was, we were able to sort of curtail the, the craziness that would have happened had we been huge and spread all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, having a small team meant I could easily communicate to all the key persons and they could easily implement. Mm. And so that helped the shop and salon sort of stay walking, if not running, mm -hmm. um, over COVID. Mm -hmm. we, we had many hiccups with our suppliers. Um, some had to withdraw uh, because it, we lost quite a few suppliers. Some people had to recalibrate how they've been doing things. Mm -hmm. um, but we also realized we have to be more stringent with how with who we engage with so uh, i really had to go back to the drawing board with my team and make sure that we could be inclusive in a way that's sustainable even with the changing climates someone told me that in order to survive during covid19 a company really had to cut the fat basically and get extremely lean and if there were things that weren't working in your business before even slightly it became very obvious once covid started do you agree with that statement what you said about cutting the fat is so it's that's it we we literally had no i think it cut some of the bone too because honestly 
we didn't have an opportunity to when you, it mo- it's moving so fast and when things are switching up if you're not set in the way you do things or with your priorities as a business and entity you can end up losing the most important core as you try to scramble to save things that are not really essential it, it i think it really highlighted without a doubt whatever we had been lax about if <laughs> there is something that was maybe a slight threat before with covid it came to the forefront it was like a huge monster waiting to like eat up the business there was no we didn't have there's no middle point with covid because now imagine some of our suppliers had just invested in machinery they had just invested in uh, raw materials which was stuck because airports were shut down they they had in, they had really injected a lot in the business hoping to push forward for the whole of 2020 and then you hear the news that you don't have money you don't have uh, materials you also don't have machinery but somehow you need to continue um you know working and producing results and it's not realistic so what are you going to tell the customers so for us we had to go back to the drawing board sort of resize ourselves back to the core and then really evaluate is this necessary because it's never going to be the same as before so what's the customer of today saying what's the audience of today communicating are we relevant to them how can we be of more use to them so let's go back all the way to march to the beginning of covid can you give me a sense of what happened to enverza nacho once covid hit kampala <laughs> Wow, I I'm laughing but I'm actually not. But anyway, um so we it was we closed a bit early in our mall/arcade because there was so much panic. Um it started out in mid March where people were talking about covid, it's this is happening, things are happening around the world and you feel so distanced from it because you're like, hey, we're in Kampala, like really when is this virus ever going to get here? then you start noticing things and CNN and Al Jazeera and the news is just all over the place customers are in saloon and the team is also in saloon listening to news and all that and suddenly the team is scared to even go near the customers there is there is that sort of fear of just existing so we in the in the entire building in which we work we were the first people to close because i wanted to first ensure that wait is my team mentally set to handle what's going on do we understand what's happening so we closed on about the 23rd of march we shut down all operations so we were not even doing home services we took about 3 days just to figure out what's happening now official lockdown didn't happen until a few weeks later but by end of march that's it people were not showing up people didn't want to get out of the houses <laughs> customers were still reaching out so i decided to move the shop back home um at that point we couldn't have home services for salon because we were still studying the the situation um we were still figuring out safety measures how to ensure that the team is okay um what do they need to know it etc we're not uh, considering taking our team out into the field with all mm-hmm. the unknowns so i moved the shop home mm-hmm. and we started doing deliveries okay at that time during lockdown only delivery um bikes and vans were allowed to move as well as ambulances and specific um people had clearance to go about mm-hmm. so we continued doing deliveries but of course we were it was literally the bare minimum of business just making sure that the customer who needs us can find us mm-hmm. but that was that was it yeah um a lot of diy's sharing with the community a lot of uh, what to do when stuck at home and all that stuff and just engaging the people in you know mental exercises and keeping them more off the focus of the stress of what they were going through possibly at that time yeah the thing is this covid thing is like like they say the virus is mutating and we are mutating along with it mm-hmm. um 
the mindsets are switching up, the way we relate to what we need is switching up, the incomes are shrinking. So for the customer, it's like, wait, is this an essential? Do I really need this, I don't know, product? Mm. So for us to revisit that from the eyes of the customer and saying, wait, if it's coming down to the bare minimums, what are our go-tos as a business and what are the customers need us? you know, as them. So marrying the two, making sure that at least when they need us, we're on hand. Yeah. Um, so over time, of course, they reopened the, they released certain levels of the lockdown and were able to do home servicing in salon safely and effectively. Mm-hmm. And that came from me removing myself from the shop because had I been the one point person, we wouldn't have been able to serve. But because my audience relates really well with my team, they enjoy their services, they they have a camaraderie, they sort of, they trust mm. each other. It was able for, like home service was able to be smoothly, you know, mm. um, rolled out. So yeah, that's literally how we did everything through lockdown and then they opened and we reopened salon. Yeah, but we still kept home services. Like the people who are not willing to just go out into the public anymore, we are now focusing on making that an integral part of our offering, and then seeing the way forward because things are still changing even as we speak. How has your mindset changed as an owner during this time? <laughs> well, it has. Wait, first of all, I have. I don't want to call it matured, Mm. but I have grown. What? I realized how I was dealing with um, a calm, uh, I don't know, a sort of trust in the tomorrow that really shouldn't be. Mm. But I've also been able to learn the dreaded word pivot. Um, I don't think... I considered how fast I needed to move before because things were safe and, you know, you have your set five-year plan and then you have your 10-year goals and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But COVID just shows you, are you really in this to win it or is this just a hobby for you, you know? Do you really care about the people you serve or is this just a way for you to make some bread? what are your priorities? Do you enjoy doing this or should we shut this down? Can we just close and say, hey, that's it. We are good. We're done. So for me, it showed me that, wait, um, this is not just a place I make an income and employ people and sort of be called an entrepreneur. No, this is a livelihood. Um, There are people depending on me to organize things so they can have a maybe tomorrow. Mm. Um, there's a time we didn't have income for three months mm-hmm. and my people literally had to move. Some had to move back home. Some couldn't, you know, do rent in the city. They had to go to the village, be close to family. And it's like, are you relevant to your team when they need you then? Mm. You know, because their family is like, hey, you've been working in the city. Uh, some income here and there. Support us here and there. Mm. So, Coming through for my team in that time, um, revising the finances and how my relationship to the business finances was. Because mm-hmm. before it was like, hey, you're just saving and um, investing, but is that what your entity needs from you? Or do they need you to be more savvy? Mm. Do they need you to be seeing 10 steps into the future? So in case certain things happen, you're sorted. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it was a really big growing curve. Um, I'm not matured. I'm still on a journey, but I'm more aggressive about business now. I'm more aggressive about learning what I need to know so my team can be more secure in their leader. Mm -hmm. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I need to be the very best leader I can be so my team can thrive when they need me. And it's not just a matter of training people and, you know, giving the best service to the customer, but it's like, hey, there's people in between who interface with our customers who I am liable to take Mm. care of. Mm. Um, It pushed me to the wall. I I mean, a second there, I felt like I was going to, I don't know, blow up or something, Mm. but that's part of the stretching. And I'm so grateful 
I know it sounds weird, but I'm so grateful that um, we managed to pass through it as an entity, but also because I managed to learn and mature yeah. through it all. You know, because the last time we spoke last year, you mm-hmm. had 18 brands in the store. Um, yeah. How many brands did you have before COVID? Because I know you were expanding and you even mentioned inclusivity and so forth. And then how many do you, that are active, do you currently have in the store? So before I used to count brands as a measure of success Mm -hmm. in store. Mm -hmm. And now I really don't. Because the way, the way I was doing things before and the, the, the suppliers group were in and the way we relate, Mm -hmm. it's more of um, relevance to the customer's need. And if they're, willing to innovate alongside and where they see the business going and if we're supposed to be on the same journey together at this point. Mm-hmm. So my measures of success really changed on that. Mm. And so we don't have as many brands in store. We had to release some brands. Um, others had to really step away from the shop because they they had found a different model that was maybe more sustainable or more relevant to their market audience. Mm-hmm. And so right now we don't have as many brands. Um, we are currently re-evaluating as well and mm-hmm. shrinking the brand offering. Mm-hmm. Um, we just want to make sure that the customer gets the very best of what's out there in the market. Every brand we have is going through a sort of evaluation on our customer need. Mm. It's not really whether the brand is amazing or not. People are doing amazing things. Mm. But the thing is, for the customer we have, is this brand going to perform? Is it going to meet the need? Or is their customer audience slightly a bit different? Yeah. So for me, it has... Stretch me because you know me, I want, I want everyone on board. I want that whole bus thinking, I want us happy. Yeah. But um, end of the day, the most important person you have to care for is the person who's saying, hey, I want something mm-hmm. that works for me, that works for my family, mm-hmm. that can also do A, B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back, look through my, my offering and then reevaluate. And so some of these things have really been hard. These people are my friends. Um, I, I work with people who have trusted me with their entities, their yeah. babies, their products. Mm-hmm. So telling someone that, hey, this might not be possible going forward is the worst. Yeah. But it's maybe a chance for them to also reevaluate and see, wait, maybe we need to tighten here and there and then get back to where our direction. There's so many things you're saying that I could dive deeper into, whether it's three months of of no income or having to tell um, suppliers that you're not working with them anymore. You know, the pivots that you had to make around that, that are tough in terms of relationships, but also necessary for the business. Um, And you even said something about, you know, measures of success as it pertained to how many brands you had in the store. Yes. How else have your measures of success shifted during COVID? One of the main things I'm really proud about uh, as the person who's done EZN and Virisa Natural of the, fa- of the past few years is having a quality team, um, having a team that I pour into that can really do the work. Um, these are people who are students in university. These are people who are probably going to hairdressing school, um, some who are just passionistas but they have the zeal to work, to learn, to grow, to better themselves, their lives. Mm -hmm. And that measure of success I realized is grooming a team of a hit squad, basically snipers. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I didn't realize how relevant it was to have people who have an independent, Mm. you know, like they, they subscribe to the same philosophy but they add some spice to the way they do the work they do. Mm-hmm. Um, except to COVID. Like, the, they have just exploded with skill in this time. They're showing that because of the investment you made in them before, training them, giving information without preservation, um, sharing sources, sharing alternatives, 
sort of teasing them the way they think about things that they'll take it and run with it so for me measure of success has really been grooming the next generation of people who are going to take on entrepreneurship they're going to start their own businesses but most most importantly they're going to serve the customer with dedication and um an eye for quality mm. so that for me has been like wait what wow because they challenged me they're like why are we sitting home mm. bella they opened lockdown please let's get cracking mm. and i'm there counting my numbers and crunching my calculator and they're like no let's go let's get moving we don't need a lot just give us this toolkit this sops we're good to go yeah. and i'm thinking wow you're <laughs> now teaching me yes you know <laughs> yeah so for me that that has been such a huge measure of success i feel like because of the fact that i gave them some sort of independence of thought mm. and the tools to see where you can also this is how the business moves mm-hmm. you can now in this moment in which i'm overwhelmed by so many different things take on this role and run with it mm-hmm. yeah that for me has been amazing another thing has been learning about the power of small moves consistent small moves in my business i i used to take that for granted a lot because we are really we're not a huge entity mm-hmm. but we try to do the best we can for the person in front of us mm-hmm. whoever comes for service we do our very best for you if you come to shop we do our very best for you if we interact with you online we give you the truth in a compassionate way. So in that time they were at home. It's like three months they were marinating and spreading the word and you know growing the customer base and we were doing um challenges and people were coming into the group pouring into the WhatsApp communities. Mm. And we were like, "Hey, what is what 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 did, what have we done different?" And um, it's because people, the one two three people you talked to and treated well and served well mm. have gone out and over three months we realized a more quality but wider customer base by being just present in those three months and just doing you know in our groups and everything uh-huh. versus keeping quiet and trying to weather the storm you know staying down and mm. watching so yeah word of mouth is amazing but compounding by a word of mouth is almost insane we we didn't expect this um mm. one of my suppliers was telling us how we are one of the top people that bring themselves and i'm thinking wait what you know my imposter syndrome can grab you and you believe like wait what relevance am i really hmm. uh, providing in this time and she's like you people really perform so well for us um hmm. you're one of if not the top people and these are people in huge chains uh we're talking huge uh, supermarket chains hmm. what i'm hearing from you also bella is is also showing up. Thanks. Uh, and you'll be thinking there is like a joke, but no, there's someone waiting to listen, you know? Yeah. Especially because providing... people went quiet during COVID. Mm. And you showed up, but you also showed up for your customer, which you you know, I I've been I've been thinking about how much you said my customer, my customer, my customer. My my mm. team, my team, my team. There's not a lot of I <laughs> in what small <laughs> interview. um which is just struck me but you know you showed up for them even if it was as quote unquote simple as mm. as mental health exercises that thing is not simple because people are going through mental health issues yes time but you 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 and you're not just selling to them you're thinking about their overall well-being and i think i think people might have really felt that i'm feeling it just hearing you talk about it <laughs> i really hope so but i also realize that you as an as a team leader you're not the end or be of um you know sometimes as africans we like that boss boss thing where you feel like if i wasn't around would anything happen here yeah. but um having a team that can actually make decisions and get the job done mm-hmm. it releases you to think about other like the bigger picture mm-hmm. to to sort of switch up in case you need to and i'm still growing i'm still learning there are so many mistakes i probably i'm still making mm-hmm. but the thing is having a team that's experienced and on ground and willing to do the willing to do the work you're not pushing people here 
mm-hmm. and they're also teaching you just mm-hmm. as you taught them. Mm-hmm. It's it's priceless, especially when you need to be thinking about things like company, business debt, how you're moving forward, what about the things that have delayed, what are you balancing, mm-hmm. um, what next for the entity, what do you need to withdraw, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. You need people who can actually do the work. If you're the one doing the work in the business, as well as also taking a team along with you and then keeping them out of the loop in what knowledge they probably need to have, mm-hmm. you're probably going to stay on that level for a while mm-hmm. if you're not trusting your team to grow into bigger roles, you know? That's a word. I know that was someone out there listening needed to hear that. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Like I'd mentioned to you, I'm starting this new segment called I Know What I'm Doing. The podcast is called I Don't Know What I'm Doing. But I wanted to highlight with this new segment, um, highlight things we're good at because we talk a lot about things that didn't work and what I learned from it. But I really wanted to highlight something that you are excellent at doing. So if I was to ask you, Bella, what are you good at? How would you answer that question? So I really struggled with this question because of maybe imposter syndrome or something where I was like, am I really, really good at this? Or am I like average, you know, but I'm really good at um, building relationships. Um, I'm really good at especially mutually benefiting Uh relationships. Uh Um, That's with family, friends. I feel like, in every exchange I have, I try to be as equally beneficial to you as you are to me. I try to be, to find a way to provide as much value that I'm receiving to you. Uh-huh. Now, I've not always achieved that, but over time, the feedback I really get is like, hey, you, this is something you really, we noticed you trying to do um, reciprocity. I agree. I think even of my limited experience of being around you somewhere in your mind there's always but also how can I help which it's it's interesting because so many people just take 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 but you are about give and take have you always been like that I don't know Uh, to be honest um I I didn't notice the pattern until someone raised it for me, it's like, they're like, hey, can you can you just receive without trying to, you know, give? Can you just, and I'm like, I just find it so natural to to do something, um, to sort of be of, of value to you as well because of how much you poured into me. But it's always the way we were raised at home. Um, mm-hmm. And it's maybe a fear of debt. I don't know what it is, uh, but somehow I end up trying to, to, you know, balance, to at least give you something to smile about, at least give you something positive to, you know. Yeah, but then that also limits the amount of people I can really, you know, hang out with because I'm really trying to put so much quality into all those interactions I have that I will not go for a large set of people. Maybe if it's through maybe public speech, but apart from that, I'll try to you know, have more one-on-one. I'm those people at a party who you'll find in a corner mm. having a conversation or in the kitchen over a glass of water, just, you know, exchanging, you know, a meaningful conversation. That's who I am. If someone was looking to build more meaningful um, relationships that have reciprocity within them naturally, is there one tip you can give to those of us out there trying to do that? First of all, be you appreciate who you are and what you can do and what you cannot do. They say, before you go to a party, be the party. Um, Have a good feeling. Have an optimism about you. Have a trust that, you know, that that something good is going to happen. The interactions you happen to have in those moments where you really are in a good frame of mind are usually more open and more exciting and more authentically you than something where you are more distrustful or you know seeing someone through judging eyes but also just just wish good for people because the basis of that is that you know that there is no lack you know it's like Mm. what's meant for you the good that's coming to you is yours so nobody can take it away you know I used to tell my team because 
uh, one of my team has gone on to open her own salon. Wow. And I would say, I really don't care if you're opening next to me. See, yeah. we all have people who are yearning for what we're offering. Mm. So if you understand and you truly believe that what's meant for you is for you, then you, you have no fear about the next person prospering. Because wait, what's a world without, you know, all of us prospering? A world with more freedom, a world with more joy, with more happiness, you know? Abundance. If it, Abundance. Yeah, thank you. Abundance. Because it always over, overflows into your space anyway. So it's understanding that, wait, there is good for me today. Even at the 23rd hour of the day, Mm. you are alive, your organs are working to keep you afloat, you are safe, maybe you have a place to stay, you have employees who are willing to work with you, even if they're not like the top notch, you know, we had people who had employees running away and all that. But the thing is, you're here, and that's a blessing, and no one can take that from you, no one can take your own good from you. No one can take your own good away from you. Amen, amen, amen. Bella Nakato, everyone. Leading the natural hair revolution within Uganda and also teaching us about work and life with so much wisdom. Now, between the two interviews, I spoke to Bella for two hours and I had to edit and cut this down to fit the show. But there are a number of gems she shared about doing business as a woman in Uganda, as well as the natural hair brands that she admires internationally and why. And I thought, why should I allow those to go to waste? So I'll be dropping those snippets within the show's Facebook group. So if you're a member of the group, look out for those. And if you're not, make sure you go ahead and join the group. The link is in the show notes. If you are in Kampala, Uganda, please make sure you stop by the Inverza Nacho Salon and the shop as well for your hair and product needs. They are located on the ground floor of Kisakie Mall in Intinda, and they're also available for home appointments, like Bella said. You can contact them directly at plus 256-751-788-112. And all that information will also be in the show notes. Finally, I talked about a giveaway earlier in the episode. Bella remembers what it was like being at the start of her business all those years ago. She's willing to offer a 30-minute consultation call with three budding beauty and hair entrepreneurs from anywhere in Africa. This is what she told me in WhatsApp. She said, I would be willing to chat with would-be beauty entrepreneurs about the ins and outs slash what to consider when setting up a healthy beauty business on a budget. And this can be with a salon, it can be with a shop, or it can be with a beauty brand, since she has experience in all three areas. What an opportunity. I would have taken her up on it if I actually had a beauty business in mind. To enter for a chance to win this invaluable prize, you have to follow both our platforms on Instagram at Envira Zanacho and at African Women in Biz. Then you have to DM me at African Women in Biz and tell me one lesson you learned from this interview. Got it? If you didn't, all that information will also be in the show notes. The winner will be announced in next week's show. Thanks, Bella. That is a great prize. And thank you for being so generous. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Until then, so be it. See to it.